Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. Sunset on the Cretaceous beach. The dinosaurs, the babies, they do not know that in their struggle to survive, it is all futile. The dinosaurs will come to an end and this entire ecosystem as well. Wow, this Werner Herzog dinosaur documentary is a bummer. Yeah, it's really powerful, though. Definitely depressing. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you, Zan. I thought you were maybe doing a Han Soos impression. <laughs> <laughs> He's a very famous paleontologist, and I just was oh. thinking, wow, Zan is digging deep for this one. That's <laughs> really impressive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Uh, uh, no, I was... Uh, I was... I was uh, going a little basic, but I was trying to imagine if if we did get a, a Werner Herzog uh, dinosaur documentary, just, you know, I, I feel like the world's ready for that. He's done that penguin documentary, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's done a bunch. So I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, it's definitely... It would definitely be fitting. It would be very depressing, though. But I think, mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. know. I'd be kind of into it, for sure. You know, I am I honestly am so ready to hear a dinosaur documentary that is not narrated by an old white British dude. And not mm. and not any shade towards Sir, now double Sir, David Attenborough. He's amazing. Wait, you can get, you can get, is that double like sir? double double platinum? Can you get double knighted? <laughs> yes, he just got double knighted. Okay, okay. This is this is like this is like my problem with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They just like keep Uh induct they keep inducting like (laughs) the same people over and over again. So they're like, well, we have to induct Eric Clapton again because of Derek and the Dominoes. And it's like they put out one album. Like just like do we really need to hear Eric Clapton? smugly accept an award again <laughs> oh my god but I, I feel like all of the recent at least animal documentaries if not dinosaur documentaries have been either like benedict mm. cumberbatch or tom mm. hiddleston or colin, what, Fer- what, colin what, what one did tom what? hiddleston do i i don't know i just assume i assume he's done something because you know what yeah <laughs> he might have okay, okay but but do you do you remember the old prehistoric planet that was narrated by christian slater what what yeah no yes. but what a bizarre no. casting yes choice. yes <laughs> yeah no that was narrated by christian slater which again white dude but come on it's like it's a, it's something a little different. It's a little edgier. It's Mr. The, Robot the, the, himself. The, the, the Velociraptors, you know? <laughs> oh like, my gosh. I'm, I'm sorry. Am I getting two Xan impressions in like 15 minutes? This is I think truly, we're going to get a bunch. <laughs> oh this is my like gosh. being double knighted right now. Double knighted. <laughs> oh, oh my God. God. Um, That's perfect. But yes, I, I, I see your point. Like we're very, 
Well, yeah, like you're telling me you're you're telling me that like um god uh who who is who who's a voice that like like what's the different kind of voice because i think we associate that deep british or yes. so- something with the 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 documentarian mm. or something but right like, that the very but, proper but you're, you're, british you're yeah. you're you're, te- you're telling me you have a dinosaur documentary and james earl jones doesn't pick up the phone Mm, true okay that is that is excellent i i don't mm-hmm. hate that but okay i can't remember his name and i know zan you will remember this you know the very famous like cowboy actor who is like thinner and has the gray mustache and he was the voice oh of, sam oh, elliott yeah sam elliott could you imagine a sam elliott dinosaur documentary like yeah um you know what that that would actually be really good wouldn't that hmm. be super cool is sam is sam elliott like like i know he he occasionally like he shows up in like more mainstream stuff and like more right. prestige stuff but he does like kind of He's one of those actors I feel like that does a lot of junk. I'm sure he'd like to do a documentary. Absolutely. And and again, he has a unique enough voice that Yeah. I don't know. I I I think See, a like, southern mm, draw would be yeah. very cool. There there was there th- I know this this is now becoming uh, a thing where we just talk about uh narrators of documentaries. I will say <laughs> years ago years ago there was an um I think it was a documentary on the Great Barrier Reef that I saw in IMAX. This is years and years ago. I think I saw it at Mosey. And um, it was Johnny Depp and whoever he was married to at the time. So it it was dual voices where he would say something and then she would say something. I'm not, I swear to God, I'm not trying to be topical. I do not know if it was, I do not know if it was Amber Heard. I just I I remember that documentary and remembering I kind of liked the mm. the back and forth of it where it's like the snail reaches out to attack the sea star and then different voice you know saying but the sea star is venomous mm. uh and then it's like and then back to him it's like but the but the sea slug is immune to the poison I huh. I yeah. honestly I don't care who voices it. I would mm-hmm. love to have a dinosaur documentary voiced by a female voice a voice uh, uh mm. actor a narrator. The mm-hmm. fact that again it always is male mm-hmm. it just plays on the stereotype that dinosaurs are are for boys and for men. And I mean I would like to think that I'm a symbol for how that's not true <laughs> mm-hmm, being female mm-hmm. myself. So, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. gosh, can you, oh, wouldn't that be so where, cool? Where's, where's, where's the Laura Dern? Where's, you know, it's right. built in. It's right there. It's oh my gosh. right there. Absolutely. Who, okay. Who plays Galadriel? Cause could you imagine <gasps> her voice? Uh, Kate, Kate Blanchett. Yes. Kate Blanchett. Perfect. Oh my Perfect. God. Mm-hmm, Don't you love, mm-hmm. by the way, how I know the voice, like her character's name, but I can't remember. I, yeah, her name. I know, but that's how I refer to it. Oh, it's, it's the actress for Gladriel. Absolutely. Oh, it's Gladriel. Um, yes. Oh my uh, gosh. Yes. Uh, but this is this is all this extended intro, everything beside. Welcome back to the Uncanny County Museum. Chillery, Hill Dog, the Cleaning Machine, McLean. Welcome back. <laughs>
We're happy to have you. Oh my gosh, I I wasn't too sure after my performance on the last podcast that I would get such <laughs> an incredible invite a second time. Um, definitely ruffled some feathers, said some said some stuff, but gosh, the <laughs> the chairs are as comfortable as always, and the macaroni mm. cheese is still pungent. Thank you, Ooh, thank you. Good. We treat yes. we try our best to treat our guests. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you like the stone bowl that it's in? That's become a sort of gimmick here as well. Yeah, it's yeah. it's uh it's very mod. Yeah, mm. really, it, it really absorbs the cheese though, so we really can't wash them very right. well. You know, we're yeah, working no, you on just, it. You just use it once and then you return it to the earth. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's we've, got, we've really got to stop, you know, serving <laughs> mac and cheese in pumice bowls. <laughs> I can only imagine what your overhead is for each for each episode. It's, that's pretty. It's not. It's not yeah. great. I. Not great. I. Uh, I. You know, because I've been. We we've gone to plenty of rock shops together. Like, have you ever been tempted by like those platters and stuff that they'll like carve out of the the rocks embedded with ammonites? Yeah, from Morocco. So, um, these things are at every rock shop across the country. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will I will admit to you when mm-hmm. I was a young baby volunteer, just learning my taking my first steps in paleontology. I mm-hmm. did end up buying one of those dishes and mm-hmm. was using it as a soap dish for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be honest, you know, now that unfortunately throughout my career, I've had mm-hmm. the veil of innocence <laughs> stripped right. from my eyes when it comes oh, no. to right. how Moroccan fossils are kind of um, produced, you know, taken out of the country and sold and mm-hmm. everything. I, I just I don't feel very comfortable about it, yeah. and I I try my hardest. If I do end up buying anything that's a rock or a gem, I I tend to avoid fossils. But if it is a rock or a gem, I try my hardest to buy from something where I know where it's sourced from, or at least I'm supporting a small mom and pop mm-hmm. rock shop sort of a thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Like when when we're in Montana, I watch you play clay pigeon with ninety of fossils from the Green River. <laughs> Yes, just pull and breaking them apart. Absolutely. Oh my god! Oh my god! An idea. Oh, uh, I, oh, I hate them. I, I, will say, I will say so. So speaking of like knowing too much about buying fossils, so a couple of years ago, I was at the Colorado Renaissance Festival with a couple mm. coworkers of mine who were not paleontologists, and we're walking around, we're having fun. You know, we have the flower crowns, we have the corsets with the heaving mm-hmm. bosoms. Like it's That's, all it, it's mm-hmm. a typical Renaissance fair aesthetic, right? Right. For sure. And we we come across a a, a stand that is like a rock shop sort of stand. And there's a guy there who's trying desperately to entice us to come in and take a look at the fossils and everything. And he notices that I, of course, have I have dinosaur tattoos on my arms and my legs. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, you know, you're a fan. And he's, he's bringing me over to these trilobites. And mm. I am just, I'm letting go <laughs> through his spiel. You know, I'm trying to be really nice. I'm smiling and nodding. And I pick one up and I look at it and go, are, are these from Morocco? And he goes, uh, yeah, 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 they are. How'd you know that? I go, well, this is my profession. And I just want to let you know that the majority of these are all fake. And I 
show him how I know oh, this. It's it's uh, it's it's a it's a painted rock and kind of ceramic that they end up gluing back together with bits and bobs of real fossil. And they've gotten really really good at faking stuff, so it's actually become harder to tell. But he mm. just kind of you could see his face just kind of freeze in this smile. Oh, and then of course no. because mm. I was on a roll and I really wasn't aware of I was destroying this whole man's career in front of him I was like picking up ammonites and everything from Morocco mm-hmm. and just being like yeah these are technically illegal these are black oh markets you know? <laughs> and, and then I suddenly realized I was like oh okay thank you for showing us and just we just uh, kind of walked away really <laughs> fast. Uh, oh no maybe he I just know. reset on that uh mm. well there's just something uh, extra surreal about doing that at a at a Ren fair Oh my gosh, I know. Which yeah. is, I think, one of the reasons why I like even did it. Because again, Zan, you and yeah, I you been... you you could have been burned at the stake. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I was you a were, woman with you too were much messing, knowledge. You were messing with the fossil guild. <laughs> <laughs> oh too wait, far. can too you far. imagine though setting up a booth and having like a whole Dungeons and Dragons esque fossil guild larping thing? Oh. Mm. That would well, be so sounds cool. cool. I mean, one of the things that we were even talking about last week was the way that there there are these nerdy niche topics that people successfully and sometimes very unsuccessfully try to cross uh, into the realm of true crime and action adventure yeah. stuff. I mean, gotcha. We we didn't talk. There's isn't there a um there is a like docudrama series right about like people that are digging up uh, dinosaurs and trying to sell them right isn't that the <gasps> oh dino oh, yeah. hunters dino what? hunters yeah my, my guilty pleasure <laughs> <laughs> Joe it's like it's like what? it's kind of like deadliest catch meets pawn stars <laughs> oh, oh my god oh yes in Montana. <laughs> And and uh, the spiel is is that every single one of these Montana ranchers that they follow throughout the season as they look for dinosaur bones, they are always on the cusp of losing everything unless if they sell this one dinosaur fossil. They have to. What's the stake otherwise? It's just, exactly. Right? Yeah, what do you have left except your TV show? Well, okay, but here's the thing. What's really interesting, and of course, again, I've worked in Montana, and and Zan, you've been there as well, so you understand Mm -hmm. there are legitimately ranchers who work so hard every year, and they are in danger of having the bank come and take everything from them. And Mm -hmm. I fully sympathize with them, and I I am 100% on board with if you need to feed your family by selling this Triceratops skull, go for it. Mm -hmm. However... I know about the people that they are interviewing, and mm-hmm. I know that one of them is a Texas Hold'em like grandmaster and what? has won millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> I know the other one just sold a T-Rex and Triceratops skeleton pair for eight million dollars. So oh the God. people and and he runs his own company preparing out fossils. So the people they are interviewing are not poor. <laughs> so this it's, narrative that they keep pushing yeah. is completely false. And it's just, oh my gosh, it's like Show watching business. a train wreck that's, in slow that's, motion. That's like an Indiana Jones level backstory of like, it's like rich, 
rich uh you know poker playing playboy uh you know also hunts dinosaurs in his spare time like right. that's that's almost yeah. kind of interesting on its own right um, but yeah. yeah no it is really like trying to do the thing of like trying trying to create that that kind of urgency and right trying to put again put it into something that people are interested in the stakes of like that that you could that you can make a very dramatic true crime level documentary right. about Sue the T-Rex uh and you know that 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 you that you try to build it up with the dramatic music of you know the US government had to seize a tyrannosaurus yes. rex you know oh, yeah. and, and again they, they make it, right it very now. much oh the US government is the bad guy and these mm-hmm. poor poor you know Pete Larson or these ranchers or whatever they're just trying to make ends meet and it's like Pete Larson owns a massive company and is a multimillionaire as well as these mm-hmm. other ranchers they are not mm-hmm. the bad they are not the good guys here with the Dino Hunters, um, mm-hmm. we did actually uh, turn it into a drinking game, myself and mm. my fiance, where mm. we had to take a drink anytime money was mentioned, like the topic of money. Mm-hmm. And oh no mm-hmm. joke, we both finished a half bottle of tequila within the first 15 minutes of the episode. That, oh, Jesus. Never again. Yeah. Oh, my God. So the thing is, too, is that it's... It's a it's a it's a TV show that bills itself as a dinosaur documentary, but in reality, mm. it's talking about right. the sale of fossils and their value. There's very little mm-hmm. science associated with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I yeah, and it's also kind of weird how it comes full circle from like 200 years ago, where paleontologists are just kind of rich people with nothing better to do. Yeah. Uh that are yeah. that are collecting and sketching fossils. Lo yes. and behold. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was the, 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 I, I, the gentleman I, scientist. Exactly. Well, mm. Hillary, yeah. here's here's the thing. I yeah. studied paleontology for three years and didn't make it through it. Uh you <laughs> did make it through it. And yeah. it's come to my attention that I feel like I am the kind of artsy guy that could have <laughs> floundered his way through being a scientist two hundred years ago. Oh my gosh, rec- yes. But now, yeah, because like back then, just being a scientist meant you had a shell collection. Like I, uh, no, no offense to all the great, uh, you know, trailblazing naturalists and biologists of back then, and and all that stuff. But also, like, uh, no, I, I will, I will go full on offense. There were some real yes. dirt bags. Oh in yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I mean. Not not the ones measuring uh, human skulls. I mean, like you know, <laughs> people people inventing the science of paleontology. I just right. mean like that's the thing is like I could have been a scientist back then because I you, you I, absolutely could. I like yeah. I like sketching lizards and I will collect things if given the opportunity. And and Zan, <laughs> I I have now spent time camping and in the field with you. And yes. your wardrobe is probably the mm. most spot on to the late 1800s <laughs> paleontology scientists mm. of anyone else I've ever been out in the field mm. with. So you already, already you already have the aesthetic going for sure. Thank you. Yeah. Well, absolutely. yeah. No, I I know when it's time to go digging. I've got my 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 Red Wing <laughs> Iron Rangers. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. <laughs> Gotta love them. Gotta love them. Oh yeah. my gosh uh yeah it's uh and and yes of course all my my uh my uh flannel shirts and everything my 
Uh, Absolutely. It's, right, yeah, yeah. Right. You, you got to. That's that's how you that's how you are, make it work. Are you really a paleontologist if you don't own at least three flannel shirts, mm-hmm. plaid mm-hmm. flannel shirts? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. True. Um, but speaking of actual paleontology, Hillary, we brought you back specifically to talk about a kind of recent, uh, uh, uh well, not kind of a drop in the, uh, like, like some, some new media that has actually come out, Absolutely. uh, that has taken the, at least online paleo community by storm. And it's yep. not, it doesn't feel like very often we get these kinds of, uh, properties related to dinosaurs that are mm. not directly tied to Jurassic Park or Jurassic World. Definitely. Uh, so this or, is... Or is not entirely around selling fossils. <laughs> right, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So this yeah. is um this is kind of a big deal. We are here today to talk about the new series Prehistoric Planet. Mm. Uh, it's yes. five, five episodes available now on Apple TV Plus. Uh, hey, Apple TV, pay us. Yeah, sponsor, um, please. <laughs> yes. Sponsorship uh, deal. Yes. As we said, uh, <laughs> as we said, narrated by uh, Sir Sir David Attenborough, or Sir right. Squared. Sir, Sir Squared, Squared David Attenborough. I, I've actually seen Sir Squared a couple of times online, and I kind of love that. That's so Sir, good. Sir to the second power. Well, oh, mm. wait, but should it be the lower two? Like it's an atomic thing. Like there's two sirs. So it was yeah, S capital S lowercase r li- uh, little two. <laughs> you could do it mathematically, where you have Sir in parentheses and then a two right outside the parentheses. Right, right. Um, yeah, none of but, this makes any sense to me. But continue. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. You're good. I was just like, "What the heck is going on?" Right now? I can play it real dumb and be like, "I thought you meant sir within a square." But no, no, no. I understand the two. I know the two. I didn't. I didn't do that bad in math. It's fine. Oh, I mean, if David Attenborough was an actual medieval knight, maybe at the Ren Fair that Hillary was at. Oh right. my gosh. I can only imagine what creature he would choose as his coat of arms. Does he does he get a coat of arms assigned to him as a knight? Like is Paul McCartney's mm. like a, okay. a, ba- a bass guitar? Can I just <laughs> say that I would like to see an uncanny museum episode on the process of being knighted and what that comes with because i feel like we might actually have to research well. that that's a good yeah. we that's might good actually topic. have to do that like what does what does ringo have to do like if if england <laughs> right, exactly. goes to war like what is what does bono have to do does bono mm. like fight for ireland or the united kingdom Ooh, oh my topical. Gosh. Um, yeah. all right, we'll have to definitely revisit that because that's actually a very mm-hmm. fascinating all I, all I, I trust Elton John with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, he would be great. Absolutely. Sir Ian yeah. McKellen got Gandalf on our side. So oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. the, yeah, the realm, they, they, they certainly will protect the realm. For sure. Um, I feel like we should like have to take a shot every time we make a Lord mm. of the Rings reference because I yeah it's too now. <laughs> I know all of us are way too nerdy for some of the <laughs> listeners. Yeah, and they're just oh, like, God. can we stop now, please? That was yeah. my is childhood. Ma- is, so. ha- is Maggie is Maggie Smith a Dane? Yes, mm. she is. Oh, okay. There, there we go. Oh, okay, yeah. I trust. I trust her certainly. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um. 
So anyways, so prehistoric planet, we got five yes. episodes. Uh, if you haven't seen it already, we're certainly going to be having some spoilers. Uh, but yeah. if you're all right with that, please uh, come on this journey with us. This prehistoric journey, uh, we've got coasts, deserts, freshwater, ice worlds, and forests. Mm. Um, yes. This is a very... Especially like with kind of the the junk that has come out for the oh, most yes. part between now and walking with dinosaurs in nineteen ninety nine. Like yep. this you you're looking at some actual effort and money put on the screen there. So so I, I don't know if you guys are aware, but what's really cool mm-hmm. about this series is that it was incredibly scientifically um researched and a Mm -hmm. lot of actual paleontologists consulted on it in a much more hands-on way than like some of the big media like specifically the jurassic world or jurassic park franchise (laughs) it was also really astonishing oh yes we'll we'll get into that in just a minute wait are you telling me that the, the giganotosaurus is not like the joker (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> wow that's that's a deep cut i'll i will just be straight up honest with you and your listeners i have not seen the new jurassic world movie and i will not i will not see it at mm-hmm. any point so it, it just it looks horrible but so I, but anyway the other bit of really interesting news about that is it is it was animated by the same people that did the new lion king live action movie so even though even Mm. though that movie you know was a bit of a disappointment to most people you have to admit the animation was unbelievably beautiful and i would completely agree with that watching this series as somebody who actually knows about these fossils and has a good idea in my brain what they should look like i completely forgot that it was cgi in a lot of the parts of this show Mm -hmm. it is really amazing yeah i know i know zan and i were having a uh, conversation about that before i watched it um especially like where there's some scenes that can be kind of convincing and and you know watching Mm -hmm. it on a purely artistic standpoint like you know given that i only know so much scientifically Mm -hmm. about what's going on surprisingly knew more than i thought i was going to and got really hyped over it but that's wonderful i I was yeah i was really excited about it but like you know just watching like the way the water is rendered and how i know you know just the forests and the trees and like trying to figure out is it a composite is this real footage is it animated what's happening and then when they actually animated all the different you know dinosaurs and creatures it's just so nicely done you know Mm -hmm. only there were slips if i'm being super nitpicky there's slips once or twice but they're so yeah it doesn't matter it's like when a video game frame rate drops it was like not a big deal at all i'm being super nitpicky there's sometimes cracks even in something even in something good like the Green Knight, uh, yeah. which I, I will I will be upfront. I really enjoyed. It's a good However, movie. <laughs> uh, th- that fox. That <laughs> yeah. Fox, uh, that fox. Whoo. That fox looks like the fox in What Does the Fox Say? It's rough. That fox was rough. You are. Correct. I will. I will just say that I am kind of glad that the CGI wasn't a hundred percent perfect because yeah. it still then leaves room for artists interpretation and different yeah, interpretations for sure absolutely, absolutely and um i'm somebody who's a huge fan of paleo artists and and what they managed to where they managed to take you know the science that my colleagues do and turn it into an actual art piece and 
I think if it was something that the CGI was just so perfect to the point of where you couldn't 100% tell, mm-hmm. it might it, it might have almost a Jurassic Park effect where that's how people recreate it moving forward. You know, where gotcha. where so the the level of perfection with the original Jurassic Park film is so strong that in very typical dinosaur media that's how T-Rexes look like that coloring, yeah. that shape, everything like that, you know? And, and, and so, uh, yeah, anyway, I, I just, I think it's perfect for what it is, but mm-hmm, I'm glad mm-hmm. that it's not a hundred percent perfect. No, I, I absolutely agree. I also wanted to say that the expressions throughout the entire series are incredible. And like, mm-hmm. I felt glued to the screen the whole time. Like, even if I were to abandon just what I knew, about the topics mm-hmm. and what was going on like just purely yeah. from a narrative it's mm-hmm. super captivating and like yeah. they, they're characters each each yeah, yeah. Just a no, character they, they, just, they feel ah, it's really good they feel like living animals exactly yeah especially with like with some of the movements because like that was one of the things that because while the cg didn't age wonderfully on walking with dinosaurs right. um the the little things that the animals would do where, you know, they would shake their head side to side and the skin would wobble in, in walking with beasts, you'd have the ears of one of the animals, you know, flutter for, for no reason, just, just cause animals right, do that. Yeah. yeah. The, the little things like that were, you know, really embraced here pretty well. The thing that I kept trying to think about was, um, I mean, there, there's an added challenge of trying to do those things when you're trying to make them move the way that lizards and birds do, which is very, especially for, for the smaller animals they were showing, like I, I'm thinking of the Mononychus um, yeah. and stuff. Like they're trying to give that impression that the especially small birds have where their movements are very quick and then they're still, you know? Right. And, and, and you're trying to figure out in your head, like I watch birds do this in real life. And I am never like, I never feel like I'm in a simulation watching that or watching, watching a video of a bird do that is because it's textured very nicely. The backgrounds are immaculate. Um, and I'm, I correct me if I'm wrong. Those are those real backgrounds that they're shooting on for the most part. I believe so. Yes. I think there was a combination kind of like the walking with dinosaurs where Mm -hmm. it's CGI puppetry and then all, all done with real, with real backgrounds. So that you have that nice Mm, blending, because again, if they did full CGI backgrounds, that of course will also add into that potential uncanny Valley that may have occurred, which thankfully didn't. Right, um, right. Yeah. That, I, yeah, but but yeah. but to what just just to wrap up my thought, like mm-hmm. if I if I wasn't sure this was a real animal, like if if this had been presented to me as a documentary and I didn't know very much about animals and natural history or anything, like could I be convinced that I was seeing real creatures in some shots because there are a couple of shots that are very very convincing that one the 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 velociraptor's foot coming down onto the stone that looked i think as close to perfect it freaked me out a little bit uh, Mm. how how perfect it looked like i've i've been in uh 
petting zoos where they let us questionably close to emus and <laughs> oh gosh you don't want to mess with emus <laughs> yeah yeah but it was australia you know, yeah okay they, there you yeah, go <laughs> they don't care yeah no, no they let us like feed the red kangaroos and like oh, fun. <laughs> they yeah. are like they will just take the bag from you and there's nothing you can do <laughs> um but but anyways like that looked like an emu like i i have right. this burned into my in my memory standing next to this thing and watching it walk close to me and that is exactly what it looked like mm. i i i, I could have been convinced by that shot if i didn't know what a dinosaur was that that was Absolutely. a real animal i i really hope that they release a in-depth behind the scenes yeah. of of how the everything was made mm -hmm. um they they have on on YouTube. If if you can't mm -hmm. access the episode, you can at least go to YouTube and watch kind of a five minute behind the scenes where yeah, they go a little yeah. bit into the science, but they don't really talk necessarily about the animation. So I'm I'm mm -hmm. really really hoping that they do release that. Um, mm -hmm. What I will just say, you know, as far as convincing, I know everyone here and everyone listening, of course, is probably at a a pretty high intellectual level. But and you've already heard me rant about this, but there are people that will watch Discovery Channel movies mm -hmm. like the Mermaids movie or the mm -hmm. Megalodon movie and be completely mm -hmm. convinced that this is real footage, even yeah. though it's very obviously CGI. And I will just say, if we are going to have a documentary with super convincing CGI, I'm glad that it's coming from one that is actually based on real science and real mm. facts, not just like a cryptid. Right. Sort yeah, sort of yeah. exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, the, 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 the mermaid documentary specifically, uh, <laughs> we have spoken about yeah. Uh, yeah. before on, yeah. uh, yeah, it's we're talking a wild about ride. Oh my gosh, the, the, the found the, the, footage yes. and everything. It's crazy. The aquatic <laughs> ape hypothesis and all of that. <laughs> oh my gosh. We're, we're living in this world that's kind of interesting. I mean, even going back to the, the Werner Herzog thing, like he's someone that likes to play with the idea of a documentary. He mm -hmm. deliberately makes things that aren't necessarily 100% to the truth. And he's not trying to be someone that, is deliberately trying to misguide you. He's trying to yeah. play with the format of the documentary. And, yeah. you know, there's that great thing of him. Uh, I think he's on Colbert, like the Colbert report way back in the day. And he's, and he's talking about like, you know, not following history perfectly. And he's like, I, I could, I could read you the phone book and it would be factual, but this would not be an interesting book. You know, <laughs> like, th yeah. like he, he's, he's kind of got that idea about it, which is interesting, but also like, is there potentially something more weird or nefarious that could come about from us not being a hundred percent sure, uh, what, what we were saying, if you could come so close to convincing me visually that I was looking at a dinosaur, I'm sure yeah. there's a lot of other stuff I'd let slide. There's pretty famously, um, uh, a composite CG thing in like the Wolf of Wall Street, but nobody notices because it's a bunch of guys uh, at, you know, in their cubicles and no one, your brain is not looking for uh, the, the seams, the way it would be mm. looking at it in a dinosaur documentary. I feel like we're kind of from, from 
looking at these and, you know, being people that watch documentaries, what are aware of dinosaurs, are aware of cinematography, uh, we're looking for the seams, the the places yeah. where it's just not yeah. quite convincing the eye. Like it's it, it's a little spooky in another sense. Hmm. There also is, of course, that conversation then kind of ties into the idea of deep fakes. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. You know, can are we going to use this for nefarious reasons? And I, I mean, mm-hmm. I will just say I I don't really have a huge opinion on <laughs> deep fakes because it's just something that I am not at all interested mm-hmm. or involved with. Yeah. But I think, thankfully, having incredibly lifelike dinosaur documentary CGI will only benefit the mm. genre. Yeah, because yeah, I, I agree. agree with that. I agree. This is, the, this is the best use of this new superpower. Yes, yeah. because what it, do, what it does is it, uh-huh. it, it chips away at the idea of these animals being monsters Mm, and being yes. more like animals that we know and can recognize from our from our our modern day. So, for example, as mm, yeah. I mentioned earlier, like the movements of the Mononychus being very bird like. Well, yeah. that's that's wonderful, showing off this animal more bird like because again, mm-hmm. we know dinosaurs and birds are very closely related, and also birds are dinosaurs. So, mm-hmm. tying in some of that new found behavior based on actual science that's been achieved over the last you know 20 mm-hmm. years since the walking with dinosaurs documentary came out or mm-hmm. 30 years now um i think will benefit paleontology in general because mm-hmm. the more that your common layperson audience can emotionally connect with this animal mm-hmm. the more likely they are to be enthusiastic interested Mm. potentially willing to go to a museum and buy a ticket and support the science you know all of that stuff engage with it beyond yeah and and what i think is super interesting speaking about jurassic park is especially the recent jurassic world films have been almost going in an opposite direction where their cgi has improved but they've been falling more on the side of movie monster like a godzilla Mm -hmm level versus leaning into these things are animals and i think their intentions are to make them more like animals but through their through their bad storytelling and kind of always making the dinosaurs (laughs) be the 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 scary villains Mm -hmm. they fall into the trap of they they seem unreal because they are not really written as animals they're written as monsters yeah, I mean they've they've kind of had to do that, especially when they were doing the um the the Indominus Rex or whatever in the first oh, yes. Jurassic World, like where they're like we wanted it to be you know super intelligent, and I think in the original version that they were going to make, it was even going to be like part human, which actually uh, would have been uh, a little more interesting. interesting. And yeah, kind of they were going to be like military. Yeah. Use. Yeah, but I mean to to take to not just get hung up on Jurassic World and stuff. I I totally agree with that. I really mm. love seeing this framed like any other David Attenborough documentary. And they're yes. taking some they're taking some pretty big swings with um, you know, keeping the keeping the science up to date and you worry with a lot of that stuff cuz like even to to the general public 
Um, I think there's still an attitude of feathers being more controversial than they actually yes. are with dinosaurs. So it, I, I don't think it will alienate people uh, necessarily. No, if, yeah. If anything, it will bring more people in. I, I will just say one of the hottest and probably the worst takes I ever saw on Twitter after the mm-hmm. first oh, episode, the first or two episodes of whatever released, is somebody commented. Feathers on Velociraptors were not the glow up glow up that we wanted to see. And it what? <laughs> or something along those lines. What? <laughs> what? And it was like it was like, my dude, we're we're what? not making this up. Whether you like it or not, they it's, re- it's, they put a reskin it's a on thing. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and, but, and I will and I will say it felt very natural in that way because I'm yeah. one of those mm-hmm. people that always was confused about that and like mm-hmm. I think I think I think both of you and and you Hillary and Zan explained it to me when we had that conversation prior mm-hmm. but I, I I don't quite remember but it doesn't matter necessarily that the way that my question of always like wait do dinosaurs have feathers or are they scaled or what's going on did Jurassic Park lie to me and I. I felt like this provides such a clear answer that, oh, they're different animals. So different animals have different textures sometimes. And it's not, yeah. it doesn't have to be complicated. It just shows it that way. And I, and I quite appreciated it. But also that it's very, it was very accessible. It's exciting. And honestly, I was pretty hyped up when watching it. Like I was, you, you place oh, yeah. yourself in this place. And for me, I'm already thinking like, What's the history of this location? What was the world like? It's so, yes. right. I feel like I'm watching Avatar in a way, but like, and Avatar blue people, Avatar, obviously, but like, <laughs> you know, like going to Pandora, but it's less bright and scary, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, it's yeah. like, oh no, that's our, that's our planet, yes. you know? But yes. I, I don't, yeah, yeah, it's, well, we don't incredible. like, I mean, let's, let's talk about the greatest moment in the series, which is Carnotaurus. <laughs> Uh, I, I was gonna say the 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 dinosaur poop in the water, but okay, oh, sure. Oh man, that was that was a choice too. <laughs> Can I, uh, Zan? But before we move on to that topic, I just I wanted yeah. to point out kind of something, uh-huh. kind of what Joe was talking about, because I think this is really interesting. The prehistoric planet TV show is almost like an antidote to the Jurassic Park medicine mm. we've been constantly getting fed since the first film, mm. where you constantly have a narrative that is just centralized around T-Rex and Triceratops. It's just North American paleontology. It's mm-hmm. the same cast of characters and, and kind of the same look. And now for the first, at least the first time since the walking with dinosaurs franchise or the, the TV show and even the movie, we are actually getting different continents different yeah. types yeah. of dinosaurs, different behaviors, different colors, you know, and it, and it's just, it's such a breath of fresh air because it's not using the format that Jurassic Park burned into everybody's brains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we absolutely. haven't been able to break out of since right. then. I think this yeah. might do it though, to be honest, because I, I'm thinking about like when I was watching it too, I was thinking about like all the kids in school that are now going to be able to watch this because it's not overly aggra- like bloody or violent. No. Right? It has yeah. its scenes no. that are questionable, but again, it's like a nature documentary. And yes. now like teachers can probably show this in school to their science class and kids yeah. can get lo- excited about what they're watching. And even in college, honestly, if I saw this in college, I'd be hyped up to take oh, a yeah. class. Like Me absolutely, and- just fascinated. I will just say I love the carefully placed like leaf or vine <laughs> yeah whatever those yeah. two dinosaurs like getting yeah. intimate oh my god the camera's there and they don't fully like 
pan away from it, but there's always a very carefully placed thing. Yeah. And I, I yeah. think that's very fun. But anyway. I, yeah, I think that's like, I mean, that's... That that is the one part where it's like you you do have the feeling of oh I'm watching a TV show, um, <laughs> right? Yeah. But but it, I I still mean that in a good way. Like yes, no, I'm very glad that this is this is a property that has tremendous appeal and is educational in its purpose. Um, it does make me think that this conversation in particular, which of course we all want to know, how did these dinosaurs fuck? Um, <laughs> you know, you know. I mean, the answer is we don't know like like my my favorite one and maybe we i don't even remember if we talked about this last time i was on i feel like we did but like how does stegosaurus's bone like like yeah. how yeah no it's it's a great question that <laughs> i i don't wow how yeah. huh. wow it's a very yeah anyway okay well yeah. i've got that visualization now thank you hillary I, 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 uh, but, how? but it's but, complicated yeah, it's like, like flipping a horse uh, how, in your I, mind if if you if you figured it out send us a drawing i don't know uh, um, yeah. I, what what i love so much is pa- paleontology seems to be all or nothing yeah either <laughs> yeah. we find mm-hmm. like for example we have a, a fossil of a satacosaurus which is an early um asian cer- ceratopsian where we literally have the butthole from this dinosaur, you oh, know, like we, like we know what the butthole looked like on these dinosaurs, and and they just released a paper saying they found a belly button on this. So so it's like Whoa. we have, and for example, like with T Rex, we know how fast they could run and what they were eating based on their poop. Like we have so much information, or. We have the other extreme where we we know barely anything, you know, mm. like like we have just a few scraps of bone and the rest is purely guesswork based on closely related species. And mm-hmm. my my fiance loves to tell me all the time, and he's absolutely right, that paleontology is actually a really bad science because science is based on large data sets of evidence that you can replicate the experiment, multiple people can replicate it and reach the same conclusion. And in paleontology, you typically have a scrappy data set. You're lucky if you get multiple individuals, you know. But typically, we're making incredible ideas and and hypotheses from very little data, which is not good science. Mm, <laughs> yeah. And and again, you know, as amazing as this series is, I would say my one tiny nitpick, and of course we can get into this more later if we want to, is you have to kind of take all the behavior stuff with a grain mm-hmm. of salt. Yeah. Right. This, yeah. And not, not saying that they didn't do their research. You know, for example, in the first episode, you have T-Rex swimming. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yes. they kind of infer from that. For, for, they kind of infer in the show that oh dinosaurs especially large theropods were very capable swimmers mm-hmm. and then when you watch their evidence they they look at swimming track traces so it's like okay right. that that has some direct evidence but also how much could they swim are you sure that that belonged right. to t-rex you know they're there are some logical jumps that occur yeah. in this show that I realize have to happen in order to continue the narrative or make these animals seem more lifelike. But mm-hmm. 
a good scientist will always watch something like that and say, well, where's the evidence for that? And there are definitely yeah. some things in there that I'm just like, well, yeah. where's the evidence for that? Yeah, that was right. one of my questions because there's some stuff that I was like, how do they know that? Like, how do we know? Or how right. do we know that? How do you make right. these these jumps? And and then I, I you mm-hmm. know, I, I was kind of like, okay, well, I I was assuming that some of the behavioral stuff was coming from how you know, studies are conducted on like lizards, reptiles, and also birds now yeah. maybe as an yes. influence. But then again, it's like T-Rex swimming. Like, I feel like, like how do you find a fossil of that? Or how I, do you find evidence? Was, of yeah. That? I was trying to figure out like, how did the first Triceratops figure out that there was clay in that? <gasps> That's my other that thing. Exact that exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm very curious this about was, that. I specifically wanted to ask you this as, okay, as, a, as so, a Ceratopsian person. Yeah. Yes. So so we do know from modern day animals that this is something that modern day animals do, right? Okay, and they're yeah. especially in herbivores, in their daily intake of plants, they are often missing minerals like salts or clays or just things that because they're not necessarily eating a wide range of objects, mm-hmm. they're not getting. And yeah. so we have examples of like for example deer finding uh natural sources of salt and turning it into a salt lick yeah or or even consuming carcasses to get iron from right right yeah there's there's those those deer on that island that like eat the baby birds yeah, 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 and yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I mean, I've seen horses straight up just consume yeah. a baby chick. Like it, it seriously. Happens. Uh-huh. So yeah, we do have evidence of for that for modern day animals. So it is not a huge logical leap mm-hmm. to think that these large herbivores would need to have the same um, needs. And of course, this is something that I that again, yes, it's a behavior, but I'm not mad at it because yeah, sure. they the triceratops occupies a similar ecological niche meaning it has the same biological needs as probably some animals of today have Mm -hmm. so that's fine my my kind of issue with it was how do they know the clay negates the toxins like if they turned it in if they turned it into oh these triceratops are venturing into the into the caves to eat clay for salts and minerals i could totally get behind that yeah what i don't understand is this leap of like well they're doing it because the plants they're eating are toxic and it's like i was okay where did we get that evidence is that because like i know parrots eat clay i was trying to think yeah that was is this something that parrots do because parrots live in the jungle and maybe there's more poisonous plants there i again maybe and the, and they have a big beak like a triceratops. I thought I I thought you were when you started that sentence. I thought you were going to say you were uh you were you know uh, upset because it was a triceratops. Um. <laughs> Look, we didn't we did not get very much ceratopsian representation. So I was glad to at least have mm. that and Pachy Pachyrhinosaurus, which of course what, I worked on. Uh, yeah, yeah. What what were your uh, how, how did you feel about the the quills on the Pachyrhino? So. I am very famously anti-quill. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing I tell people about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my friend Hillary's anti-quill. Uh. I will say, 
when I watched it, I was able to ignore the quills because they were subtle enough that I just pretended they weren't there. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't particularly huge. They didn't coat the entire body of the packy. Mm-hmm. What I will say is <laughs> I thought I thought this is very interesting, the placement of the mm-hmm. quills, because mm-hmm. why why would you put it on the shoulders and the back when that's it doesn't really protect you there mm-hmm. and if it's going to be for protection why is it, why are they so sparse and and th- this comes down to a, a few things so from what i understand and i could be wrong but from what i understand the majority of the scientists working on this were primarily european or british paleontologists mm-hmm. that means that they might be getting a secondary opinion on some of these things so for example another kind of mistake that they made in the arctic episode is they say that the hadrosaurs the edmontosauruses are were migrating and Mm -hmm. there's actually evidence based on who you talk to Mm -hmm. that they don't migrate and so Mm -hmm. it's just something where if they're hearing one voice because that's the person that manages to get their research across the pond that's what they're reflecting in in their Mm, consultations so the quills on the packy and quills on ceratopsians in general come from this i uh, this again that cetacosaurus i mentioned earlier they found a body fossil that apparently has quills on the tail and the rump of the animal now, I will just say that I did hear a very prominent Ceratopsian paleontologist say that he has seen the fossil. It is owned privately in China, so it's not easily accessible. And he's not convinced that they're not plant material. They're not oh. body material that he thinks there potentially could be reeds. Hmm. So this stereotype continues to get perpetuated because it's like, oh, well, if a early ceratopsian had this, then probably everything after Cetacosaurus must have had these. Right. But it's not, it's not taking into account that as you get larger, you tend to lose these skin integuments. So like hair or quills or whatever. The larger you are, the less that you're going to have of it because you don't need it for heat. You don't really need it typically for any sort Mm -hmm. of defense, and especially with ceratopsians, it's really obvious that they were putting all of their evolutionary energy into developing their frills and their horns for some sort of display structure. So they wouldn't need quills for some sort of sexual display, but Mm -hmm. there is a section of triceratops skin that Mm -hmm. have these weird nipple scales that the person that discovered them claims that that those are quill attachment points. Hmm. Hmm. Even though there's been research saying that's not true, those are not quill (laughs) attachment points. It makes no sense whatsoever. And we have skin impressions from centrosaurine ceratopsians. So there's two groups. There's centrosaurines and chasmosaurines. So centrosaurines, that's what Pachyrhinosaurus is a part of, the centrosaurine group. We have skin impressions from centrosaurines that do not have these nipple scales, do not have any sign of quills. But right. for whatever reason, whenever anybody is reconstructing a ceratopsian, they slap on the quills. And what is super duper interesting to me, and maybe I'm remembering it wrong, so correct me, but they didn't put quills on triceratops. 
No, no, no they, they did, did not. not. So why did they put quills on Pachydinosaurus? <laughs> yeah, I it have makes to, no sense. I have um, to say though, I don't I, know. I thought mm-hmm. that because I saw the quills on their tails, mm-hmm. and I was like, and then I saw the one on like the bull's back that they were like highlighting yeah. as that sort of central character there, and I was like. Oh, maybe he got in a fight, and the it's like a porcupine situation again. I have no idea anything about. I don't know anything about Pachydinosaurus, <laughs> so bear with me sure. here. But no, that's okay. The way it was implied, because they're so sparse, it looked like that's one of the other Pachyrhinos hit it with its tail, and then the quills got stuck like arrows, and were just there. Yeah. So because uh, I didn't see them on all of them, I only saw it right. on that one. Granted, I probably wasn't paying attention to every <laughs> single detail there, but that yeah. to me was like. I'm trying to figure it out in my head, like, oh, maybe it's just like the remnants. And then I started seeing more of them have it. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe they have it. Or maybe it's like that it, it kind of like yeah. on the, um, uh, you know, on different animals where you see the scarring. I thought it might've been something similar to that where it's like out yeah, of battle. Right. But to me, like, that was my only thing was like, I didn't, I didn't quite know the science behind it or this whole debate, but it, yeah, it's interesting. Like just the way it was read for me, it didn't mm-hmm. feel like it was a part of the animal. I thought it was extra. Yeah. The tail was more believable just for defense, right. but yeah. and, and, kind of impractical. And the t- the but... tail, if if you're gonna put quills on your ceratopsian, which I have fought this battle prettyly, pretty much on every front I'm on. But if you're mm-hmm. gonna do it, at least put it on the tail because then I can I can see a defensive yeah. reason yeah. behind it. For sure. Um so so the other stereotype that Pachyrhinosaurus tends to get thrown into is these animals being woolly. Mm-hmm. And like huh. like be almost being like a musk ox sort of coat. Mm-hmm. And this is something there's there was an artist, a, a fabulous artist, his name is Mark Witten who yes. did just a speculative, oh, what if, I just like the idea of these dinosaurs being on an Arctic tundra. And of course, years later after producing this art piece, he of course was like, hey guys, this was, this was a mistake. You know, this, just <laughs> meant, this was just meant to be just kind of a fun imaginary thing. But mm-hmm. people have taken it as gospel. And so, it, and of course, the it, it always comes down to well, these animals were living where it must have been cold, so they must have had some sort of skin integument. And it just, it's because most of the people talking about Prince Creek formation or Alaskan dinosaurs do not really understand what that environment was like. And I will just say, Prehistoric Planet did the best job of it that I saw mm-hmm. besides the Walking with Dinosaurs movie, which is the best, most accurate Prince Creek formation. Besides the stupid fart jokes and the talking dinosaurs, that is how Packy <laughs> is supposed to look. And, and, and if you go and look at those Packies, they don't have quills. They're not living on an Arctic tundra 24-7. They live in what is what is more like a redwood forest and that mm-hmm. is what what our uh, Alaska would have looked like it would have would have been cooler than other places but it was not um an arctic tundra and so mm-hmm. i have to wonder if when they were developing this episode they added quills on there to kind of be like well they could have had some sort of skin thing to help keep them warm but even mm-hmm. then it it's not correct now all of that aside, I, I don't I don't want to bash the packies the entire time because to be mm-hmm. honest, they're some of the best packies I've seen mm-hmm. since since the Walking with Dinosaurs. 
Um, so this is based off of Pachyrhinosaurus proorum, which is actually a dinosaur that I worked on for a number of years. So it is something that I'm very, very familiar with. And um, they got the details of this animal besides the quills very, very correct. And I was mm, oh, wow. super duper pleased. I also was incredibly pleased with the Truidon that they yeah. that they showed. And a fun little little thing is that they put in there a dromaeosaur, so a raptor dinosaur. And that is based on a paper that one of my colleagues and friends published just two years ago about finding a little juvenile raptor jaw. And oh, I just hmm. want to point out, I just want to point out one more little thing about the Alaskan episode is you notice they never actually name the hadrosaurs that show up on the screen. They don't ever give right. a scientific yeah. name to them. Mm -hmm. And that's because they are still incredibly contentious what exactly they are. Uh -huh. there, there are a group of paleontologists primarily from Japan that do a lot of work on this area that mm -hmm. consider them to be Edmontosaurus. So mm -hmm. the same group of dinosaurs like you find in Alberta and Montana. And then there are one or two paleontologists, I know for sure one of them, who found a hadrosaur and called it a completely new species called Ugruic canensis or, or something like that. It's, it's, a, it's an Inuit name. Uh -huh. However, a lot of people were like, hey, dude, you never actually looked at all of the hadrosaur's remains from Alaska, you know, the ones at mm -hmm. the Perot Museum in Dallas. Mm before you named your new dinosaur. So we are saying that what you found is not a new species, but it's a juvenile Edmontosaurus. So there's a lot of contention around this. And I just thought it was kind of a funny, like mm -hmm. the creators mm -hmm. of prehistoric planet, obviously, right. obviously right. knew enough about this contention that they refused uh -huh. to name uh -huh. the right. dinosaurs. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's such a funny, like little bit of like, drama because like they're they're yeah. willing to speculate on so much other stuff but they knew to steer clear of that one yes, <laughs> yes. yeah no there's 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 a lot of really wonderful stuff that i think they keep honestly i think that they keep a little they they keep vague enough to mm. i i think a discerning person can understand when they're being speculative mm -hmm. and that um especially on the behavior stuff yeah that, you know, we can we can watch this with a grain of salt because it's treating them like like animals mm. that you're not they're not yep. saying like we think they might do this or they might do that. It's like this is what the hood is doing, you know, yeah. and right. that and and that that's a very uh, I think I think like also like the, you can feel also a little bit of a deliberate um trying to move away from the monster movie type idea, like what you were talking yes. about earlier, like, because it's not until the episode with the Packy Rhinosaurus and I forget what theropod they were up against. Uh, uh, oh, uh, they're up against cool Nenuxaurus or, or sorry, Nenuxaurus. It's not until that point that we see adult versus adult combat yeah. uh, in mm. the series. Cause like up until then it's all, basically i feel like all the casualties we were watching were just infanticide 
Oh my god! Yeah. Especially the first episode. Oh my so god! So many yeah. babies dead. Oh so my god! So many babies. I was okay. Was I was a little bummed they didn't call them flaplings, which I've heard is is a is a term <laughs> for baby pterosaurs. Oh my gosh! Oh, I love that. That was flap- I've never brutal. heard that. That's amazing. Yeah, oh god, yeah. That no, they did not use flaplings. Uh, but you know, Jesus. how could you? I mean. There's just words like that and Thagomizer. Of course, there were no stegosaurs in the series. Uh, yeah. But, you know. Well, it, was all, it was all late Cretaceous, so there would not have been any, any stegosaurs, yeah. which are yeah. from the Jurassic. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, okay. So, so I, I'm really curious. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I watched this, I actually turned my paleontology brain off because, mm-hmm. unfortunately, there are times where it's like, I know too much. I kind of ruin it mm. for myself. Yeah, and so yeah. and so I turned it I turned it off and and I was able to really enjoy it and even the stuff that still kind of triggered my brain a little bit where I was like oh, yeah. I I still was able to get past it. Right, right. What what is everyone here's favorite episode and mm. why? Cuz I'm so I I've, I've like there's so many different mm-hmm. ideas and mm-hmm. I love the fact everyone likes a little different something in the series. Mhm. Mhm. If 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 you want me to start, I think sure. I, yeah. I really did like the um I really did like the forests at the end. Mm. I think Yeah. Um I mean even though it was like it was crazy to watch and it was silly but also <laughs> really uh interesting the carnivorous made... thing just really yes you stuck know, with you. It really stuck with me because I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah. I've a, never seen a, a giant theropod, like like a, a giant meat-eating dinosaur made silly. shown shown in that way. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's why it stuck with a lot of people. Because uh-huh. and I realize this is not the correct word, but it almost humanized them yes, in a yeah. really good way. Yeah. Yeah. And because like you can there there's a you want to anthropomorphize just a little bit because it's like mm-hmm. I, I was watching it with my girlfriend and she absolutely lost it watching that. <laughs> oh yeah, she was like, "I was not expecting that." Um, the and, the and, memes and, that were created after it oh, were some yeah. of the best that no, I've ever seen. For the, for the rest of the day, she kind of kept making that. We kept making that pose at each other of like your arms out, but you're like we were holding like our arms like still kind of close to our sides, and we're like, "Oh no." Oh my god, it's perfect. And like and even like the like there's like that little you're looking at him head on, but you can kind of see his eye. Yeah. And it's like it just says you want it to say, Is this working? Is is this doing it for you? And <laughs> it's it's this it's this really great moment of seeing this uh this this predator uh yeah. you know do something like that. And I I, I really enjoyed it. And of course, you know, it was cool seeing the Triceratopses do something besides just fight T-Rexes. Cause I feel like exactly tri- Triceratops yeah. is usually just relegated to Tyrannosaurus food in most things. Um, so, I mean, there was the novelty of it. There was, um, we saw different animals that had never been shown on the screen yes. before. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amazing. Yes. And so I, I think the, the forests and ice worlds, probably towards the end, but okay. I, 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 I still really enjoyed a lot of things about all of the the episodes. I think the the tyrannosauruses on the beach were great. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there there was a lot of stuff. The you know the the dinochiruses, 
entire plot arc was just that it, it figured out how to scratch itself on a tree. Oh, amazing. <laughs> and amazing. That, and that was like, that was all it kind of needed, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah. Joe, what was your right. favorite episode? I think for me, it was Coasts. And I know that's mm. the oh. first one, but I think yeah. I like them all, honestly. Like, I would say coasts are deserts, which is mm-hmm. okay. weird because I didn't expect that. But and I, yeah. and I loved Forest as well. And honestly, like I said, I liked all of them. But the thing for me was <laughs> that, like, coasts stuck out because I think I, I'm biased because I really like the water in general. And mm-hmm. I'm always fascinated about that. But there was such, mm-hmm. like, just the way everything was said and like to the point of the what the sunken continent or whatever they said i was like what is that place like i want to travel there i felt like i was in a dark souls game like literally like it just (laughs) it transported me into this whole other world and then i started thinking like oh there's like a whole other ecosystem happening under here and in this Mm -hmm. time period like obviously i'll look at the same way in marine biology but at this point it's like there's so much more happening underwater that we really don't yeah. see in mainstream right. media you know like thinking just again Jurassic yeah. Park scarring that into our minds and I was really fascinated with that with you know and the Tarangisauruses which I've never heard that name before and I loved it it was super cool and mm-hmm. I super tried neat. absolutely super cool and and what are the um I'm I'm sorry I'm gonna just that's where my knowledge extent goes to what were the big <laughs> ones the big um uh the other one the other uh underwater animals that were the, attacking the big, the big mosasaurus mosasaur that was it yes thank yeah. you that was also very yeah. interesting and that, i liked that, how was that was so done. cool watching it get oh, its skin clean yes oh yes well the thing for me too i didn't realize that they breathed air because mm. I, again i don't know sure. much about this so i was like wait what like oh whales okay i'm starting to understand like it was just very interesting to me like when they mm-hmm. explain it and going in and then it was just, I don't know, it was just really fascinating learning about that. Then also with all of the other, you know, flying ones was pretty crazy. Um, because And brutal also. That this is just the series opened with oh, a yeah. very aggressive stance. Like, I think for me, the only thing I, I was kind of like, all right, this is interesting, was T-Rex swimming. Like that whole opening scene was so cinematic. And, and you, kind just, of, you knew one of those babies <laughs> was going to get it. I you knew. knew I, I didn't want it to, though. I was like, oh, yeah. no, baby. Like, I felt like the whole show stressed me out in that way, where I'm like, oh, my God, like, they're just going to die, and we can't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. And it's like no, watching an, a nature documentary, though, right, where you're like, oh, yeah, survival's brutal. Like, mm-hmm. this and again, is brutal. It, it, it created a sense of tension, though, yes, without exactly. leaning into the the good guy pred or bad guy predator good guy herbivore or yeah, the stereotypical exactly. Jurassic Park sort of sort of tension. Yeah, there's no morality like, to it, you know, yeah. in that way. And there's no like binary where it has to be. Oh well, the meat eating dinosaurs are the bad ones, and the herbivore mm. dinosaurs are the good ones because we've just established <laughs> that. And it, and that's how like my entire childhood was formed around it. For, so and like even yes. facing that in this show was really interesting to me. And then also taking this and applying it even to like today with animals mm-hmm. living today was something I've been thinking a lot more about more so because of the way they were looking at the behavior. But I I think for me really what was sparked was this, this whole common thread throughout our planet's entire history that yes. instead of it being this like overdramatic or sort of fantastical view of what dinosaurs were like as animals, mm-hmm. it's now showing us a I think way way better approach to that a much more mm-hmm. like I 
I can't even think of the word because it's not human, right? We're not talking about humans, but like natural, I guess, approach or more realistic approach maybe yeah. to what well, it could be like. But, but it gives us that yeah. transportation to that world. And I feel like I can connect it to the present moment, you know? Yeah. The, the I mean, even just look at the decision to have it all relatively at the, at the same time, happening at the same time on the planet in all these yeah. different biomes. And compare that to how we think about um, a, a lot of science fiction, even it's like on star Wars, it's like, we're going to the desert planet. We're going to the forest planet, <laughs> the wet planet. Right. Yeah. The, the, wet, wet, the yeah. wet planet, yeah. you know, and, and it's, um, it, it's suddenly like, no, this is our earth where right. multiple things are happening at once. It's even, um, even, you know, to, thinking about uh the the six episodes of walking with dinosaurs right while you are seeing different biomes it's gradually progressing through time where the first yes. episode's in the triassic and the last episode is um the late cretaceous so it's um it, it it's, it's, it's even it, more narrow snapshot versus yes, this is a little exactly. bit broader yeah. Exactly. What what I really sincerely hope happens is I hope this program is successful enough they do a season two yes. where they choose another time period or a snapshot in time. Yes. Where they do yeah. they they give it the same mm. treatment. They they look at different continents and different peer you know, different mm -hmm. times maybe of the year. Yeah. But they are like, you know what, we're gonna do early Triassic. Or mm. or to be honest, I would love to see this sort of treatment with the Cenozoic big mammals and and mm -hmm. i i know as a dinosaur person that is like a betrayal of my <laughs> sensibilities but i would love to see some unknown and not as as talked about mammals yeah in well yeah. because because even to to the lay person i think a lot of people think the dinosaurs died out and then you know ba -ba -da -ba -da, humans appeared like yeah yes, people exactly really a lot, they, a lot they of people, compress it. Yeah, they, they. A lot of people really do not understand how much time separates us and how many different weird uh, things uh, came about between now and you know sixty six million years ago. Mm, um, yeah, it's uh, you know th this this could potentially be something that re reinstigates that interest in a in a naturalist way, and you know not just in the the realm of these having to be monsters they're, they're behaving like animals they're being treated yep. like animals in a documentary uh yeah they they don't have any um they don't have any more needs beyond what they need to survive yeah so, that, so again yeah. they don't fall into this villain hero <laughs> archetype or they don't fall right. into mm -hmm. predator bad right mean, scary it's yeah. just you know the mosasaur needs to eat and there just happens mm -hmm. to be a little t-rex baby right there yeah or yeah you know the these these try these pachyrhinosauruses are just doing their best to protect their babies but also nenoxaurus needs to eat as well like it just yes uh, yeah. it, it was it was done with a sense of grace and understanding which i really really appreciated yeah and i think it's a i think it's a good narrative for us to even look at in general especially in a mm -hmm. time where we don't have to do that necessarily right we're not surviving on what we can find we're not in that same position like we used to be mm -hmm. long mm -hmm. ago and i think we forget that a lot mm -hmm. yeah obviously you know like this does not excuse the fact of like 
factory farming or anything in terms of that type of way of creating food. But at the same time, I think it's a good thing to understand how just food cycles work and how one needs to live, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the more people, I think, understand it, the better. And Mm -hmm. it, you know, I, I think, too, just like promoting it in this naturalist way and how it shows it, it doesn't form a... It doesn't in a way that doesn't necessarily create that binary, like you're saying, right? It doesn't create some sort of wall where it's like, it's this and this is the only way. Like, I feel like this is accessible for pretty much anyone to watch. And that's mm-hmm. really important for then setting this this way forward. Because I definitely think, I really hope they make a second season. Absolutely. Yes. And I hope yes. that this inspires other, like, uh, other media forms like this to continue and to get kind of experimental with it and and really you know explore the past this way because it's really fascinating and it's a, and honestly it's a really interesting medium to do it with. I think they could push out of the David Attenborough style documentary. I, I would I would like to see maybe again like yeah. you said earlier someone yeah. else narrating it. Yeah, Not that I, I don't love David Attenborough, but it's like, okay, dude, we get it. I think it's the trope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah. it's it's the trope, and it's getting people yeah. hooked on that because we're yeah, all familiar it might, it with might, it. They might have but... needed that to sell it just a I little bit. So. I think so. I think for this, like, this, yeah. this is this is something we know, and right, but you but, know, but now now yeah. we have a formula that we know works. Yes. You know, like 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 yeah. now that works. And and so I will just say for anyone listening who might be just like, ugh, I don't have Apple TV or. I don't want to pay for another streaming service. You can get a free five day trial and there is only five episodes right now. So I strongly encourage you just to at least sign up, go watch these episodes. You will not regret it. Oh yeah. And then then just don't resubscribe. Oh yeah. (laughs) I I signed up for that, uh, that free Paramount plus uh, month just to see that uh, that post COVID episode of South Park. Yeah, I did that too. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, well, I even watch that. Oh, it's oh so my god, good. it's so it's, good. It's some, it's something. Even I mean, you're you're back out in Colorado now, right? <laughs> yes. So yes. I am. I am working working back in Colorado. I'm very happy to be to be back in my home state. So right can't complain. Right <laughs> nice, nice. Um, but yeah, no. This is this is certainly a a fun speculative documentary that doesn't you know do the things that you know the megalodon documentary did (laughs) where where people are like there's a megalodon out there somewhere i mean hillary (laughs) you you, you've you've been exposed to that quite recently correct yeah so so i of course am very active on social media and especially Mm -hmm. on tiktok and i recently came across a video of a creator who is doing a video on another marine mesozoic predator a a pliosaur Mm -hmm. great job nothing wrong with their content was fabulous and i was reading through the comments because of course being a paleontologist i'm really interested in seeing what people are commenting if they're understanding what they're hearing Mm -hmm. and so there were quite a few questions of like well how do we know about this is it a plesiosaur is it a mosasaur like all the stuff so i so i was i was going in i was kind of giving them some information because i'm really excited to help educate people and hopefully teach them something new and i continuously kept seeing well what about megalodon well megalodon could probably still exist and so i would how, very did, it, polite... how did it get there it's not even <laughs> talking about megalodon because because it's a large marine prehistoric animal and so oh. in people's minds they've connected 
megalodon and any large flippered marine animal that always comes up yeah. and so i you know i very politely would go in and just be like you know here's all the reasons why we know they're extinct you know my i have a wonderful colleague out in california who just did a very extensive extensive scientific paper on why we know for sure they're extinct and it's not <laughs> just and it's not just oh we have fossils from them and we have teeth and stuff but it also is you know the biological wet food webs would have to be completely altered in a way that would be noticeable by mm-hmm. marine biologists who are also very, very smart people and would notice this if there was something of that size living mm-hmm. in the oceans, right? Megalodons mm-hmm. fed on whales. Like the reason why we have such large whales like the blue whale, like the sperm whales, is because millions of years ago they were dealing with huge predators that were preying on them. But now we don't have any evidence of that happening, right? The the, the whales don't really have any predators that they have to worry about, and that's because these these huge sharks are no longer existent. Mm-hmm. But addish, additionally, something like that would not be capable of going into super deep ocean depths because their bodies would be crushed under the pressure of the ocean. So when I hear, oh, but they, oh, we only have discovered 5% of our deep oceans. They could still be down there. It's like, first of all, no, we've discovered a lot of our deep oceans. (laughs) Right. This isn't 1995 anymore. And also... Um, everything, even something like the giant squid that lives in these deep ocean environments, they're usually squishy and they're usually yeah. quite small because it's just so hard to live down there and, and sustain mm-hmm. yourself. So something like that, like a megalodon, is going to have to remain higher up in the water column and our sensory devices, whether it's radar or submarines or whatever, would absolutely pick up on something like a megalodon you know they could not stay hidden for this long so anyway of course you know i'm very politely laying all this information out and the majority of the people were like oh okay i didn't know that but there always is one or two freaking conspiracy theorist people and and the response to this was amazing where they were just like well we had a ton of evidence in quotation marks that <laughs> aliens didn't exist but now the CIA is getting ready to release all of these documents it was just like aliens like that <laughs> <laughs> very very no. are the <laughs> no cuz you see the aliens are actually mm. in the megalodon Yes, exactly. So the, Aliens they're, they're, are megalodons. The, they brought them they're, here. They're yeah, exactly. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, totally makes pilot, sense. Piloting the megalodon. Mm. Um, yeah, and then that <laughs> takes them to their underground cabal. Right, because uh, it's a hollow that, earth. That controls Never forget. the government. Right. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a bizarre false equivalency <sighs> with a lot of people that, you know, because, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry that you have to deal with yeah. that. I know how it just i it's i know how much effort you're putting into it because it's making you actually have to talk about fish paleontology i know and oh, <laughs> deal, fish uh, fish it's yeah you're, de- you're you're de- dealing with the megheads and <laughs> the and and yes. <laughs> the it's it, it's it's a bizarre thing because you know people want to say well we used to think this we used to think you yeah. know you know, we we didn't 
it, people used to think it was crazy that birds migrated. Um, well, and and again, I mean, I mean, this this is about megalodon, but in some ways, it's not about megalodon because mm-hmm. when people are being told by somebody who is actually an expert on that subject, like, yes, mm-hmm. I hate fish, but I unfortunately, against my will, have had to learn more about megalodon than I would like to know because of all of these stupid comments. Um, it. They they continue not to believe, and for you know for for sure, megalodon's not that big a deal. But this is why we still have people arguing against climate change, or this is why mm-hmm. we have people yeah. arguing against medical advances because they think they are on the same level as the expert. Do you your know? own and, research, and mm. exactly, and they're not on the same level. But Ooh. but because everybody has an opinion, just like the Cetacosaurus's yep. butthole, everybody has one. Um, they think that, that they can just <laughs> Way to say bring what it back. they want. Do you like Do you like that throwback, Sam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. I, I, yeah. I, 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 yeah. No, I, oh I appreciated it. Oh god. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, people yeah. people love being contrarians. I want to think that a lot of the dumb stuff that I see, I want to believe it's people trolling. Like there was some yeah. guy I saw on TikTok that was saying, like, you know, dinosaurs might have actually all been aquatic because there's no way that they oh that God. an animal that big could have supported its body on land. And it's like this is this is a, an idea that was debunked decades ago if, yes if if not a century ago like i will say though that that idea did give us one of my favorite paleo memes of all time and this is something that i still will bring up even though it's not true at all mm. of sex lakes are you guys aware of this phenomenon oh yeah no. oh yeah yeah I don't, so I, the idea I, uh, enlighten joe please yeah <laughs> yes I, i'm sure joe you'll enjoy this so the idea oh, was is that and, and it's perpetuated by this man who claims he's a paleontologist, but he's a complete hack. Hmm. Um, and he makes a claim that large long-necked dinosaur sauropods were not capable of sustaining their own body weights while mating, right? They were too heavy to get the job done. Mm-hmm. So they uh-huh. would go to a large body of water that they could swim in. And then that's where they could fuck basically. (laughs) And so it started this idea of sex lakes where these (laughs) dinosaurs go into the lake to have sex. And there actually was a little flash like web page game. Oh my God. (laughs) You play as a sauropod trying to catapult itself into the lake. So you're having to like fly mm. over cliffs and palm trees <laughs> and everything oh to God. land in the lake so that you can oh land on top of the female sauropod waiting for you and make babies. <laughs> and it's just, oh, you know, so I, good. Wow. I mean, I've seen Mitt Romney's lake house. I'm, I'm not entirely <laughs> convinced that that's not how the Romneys reproduce. <laughs> um, they are the modern day sauropods. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but oh my god! Yeah, yeah, it's um, you know, at one point back back in the in in the wild west days of Tumblr, I definitely stumbled upon some fan art of Land Before Time characters that I did not need to see. Oh no! Oh, no. Yeah, it's like they are children. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, no. Yeah, it's like it's, uh, 
But wait, you know what? Okay, but, who, but, who was but, the hey, pairing? Zan, who was the pairing? I, I it was uh, Littlefoot and Sarah. Oh no. Yeah, but <laughs> oh, no. but you know, cuz not even they could figure out how Spike as a stegosaurus could have sex. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> you just you can't you can't You never know. Picture like like is it butt to butt? Is it one on top of each other? Are they laying down? You know, this also brings me back to thinking about the sequel series to Walking with Dinosaurs, Walking with Beasts. Uh, yes, where, also fabulous. Also fabulous, where, you know, they can show the dinosaurs humping. They can show yes. the saber-toothed cats humping. They can show the <laughs> intracatherium humping. But yeah. then, then, oh, and even some of the earlier primates, they show them doing that too. But then when mm-hmm. they get to the Australopithecus, it's just a little too human. And yep. it's so and funny say, nope. out of... Out of nowhere, Joe, you have to understand, this entire <laughs> documentary is shot like a dinosaur, or like an animal documentary. Okay. And yep. then when the Australopithecus, the early humans are mating, they blur it out. Oh, no. And it's so yep. out of nowhere, and it is so funny, and just like, you can tell. <laughs> it's so jarring. Well, yeah, because you can tell that there's like, you know, there's probably someone from the set just shaking a bush to make it look like there's movement. <laughs> And it was probably oh the e- it was probably the easiest day of the shoot for them, where they're like, yep. "Well, there's just going to be six brown pixels in the middle of the screen, and we just need um, <laughs> we just need Terry to go over there and shake the bush uh, for right. about uh, five seconds, and we've oh got the shot." God. Um, oh I, I just I just want to say that as much as I'm enjoying all of this prehistoric sex talk, I mm-hmm. I do want to just end my spiel on prehistoric planet by saying how much I loved the scene where the pterosaurs, I I can't remember their names. I'm horrible with remembering names, but the pterosaurs where the one male was Mm. like the female. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And snuck past it. And the male was like showing off because he didn't realize. Well, there's, there's a prehistoric planet says trans rights and I'm here for it. This is incredible. Cuddle, cuddlefish do that. Yes, um, a whole bunch of fish do it. There, there's also there is a t- there is a reptile that does that. I'm totally forgetting the name, but there is a type of lizard that will kind of. I I don't think it goes as far as to disguise itself as a female, but it like it's almost like competing uh, versions of males within the species. It's almost like mm-hmm. like like they they kind of have like almost. It's not like a separate sex because it is it is a male, but it it like right. is is smaller and like can sneak in there and mate with the females rather than right. having to defend its own territory. Like hmm. stuff like that is so interesting because you don't you don't think about that with dinosaurs because surely there must have been. This is the thing ultimately. Like to to, to put a to put a bow on on all of that. It's like yes, we cannot know for sure how their behavior works. And most of this stuff is guesswork and will likely remain guesswork. Always, Mm -hmm. because there's only so much you can get from the remains that we find. Yes. But there must have been so many um, interesting, specific things that happened. We know they must have had them because they were animals and animal animals display so many uh, idiosyncratic behaviors. There must yep. have been something like that mm. for a, a group as diverse as archosaurs uh, that dinosaurs and 
pterosaurs were uh, members of. Like this, these be there. There must have been something on the same level as uh, of idiosyncrasy that uh, that modern creatures have. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I yeah. I just I again it falls under what we we're talking earlier. It's showing some unique behaviors that yeah. make them well-rounded, empathetic characters, but also animals. Mm-hmm. Exactly, absolutely, yeah. and I love that. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. this show. <laughs> yeah, love this. Ten out of ten Absol- for yeah. me. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Even no. though the packies had quills, ten out of ten. For <laughs> yeah. Me. <laughs> Packy's it, it's interesting that pack one more thought it's I feel like Packy Rhinosauruses show up in a lot of properties and yet still are not a super recognizable ceratopsian because they okay they're, they, they're, they they're in they're in dinosaur Disney's yep. dinosaur they're in yep. the walking with dinosaurs movie they are now in this and I still feel like they don't I feel like it's not a super well-known dinosaur you know you would say that because you and I, Zan, are kind of like the old guard of dinosaur people where we grew up with primarily Triceratops and T-Rex. Yeah. I will say that during my time at, at, at the Perot Museum with Packy, I actually yeah. found that not to be true. There are a ton of people that, that know hmm. Packy Rhinosaurus. And I think partly because for so many people, the environment it lived in is mm. so unique. Hmm. Um, yeah. It, it's a it's an environment of Alaska. It would have it would have had some snowfall, you know, throughout the day, throughout the year. But yeah. and it, and it had the six months of darkness, you know. So everyone, mm-hmm. everything else kind of fall again because we're constantly shown the Hell yeah. Creek dinosaurs all the time. Yeah. It's in such a unique environment that I think a lot of people latch on to it. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting to hear. Yeah, I actually mm. found Packy quite recognizable, and I was not surprised at all that they included it because it is now your your cliche Arctic dinosaur to gotcha. display. Huh. Yeah. See, see, Allison was asking me why she'd never even heard of Carnotaurus because she was just she was in love with right. it. And oh, it's I said, great. And I said, but it's the bad guy in in Dinosaur. Yeah, and I was. I thought Aladdin yes. was going to show up yeah. in the documentary, and I was like, oh man, is it going to be a rivalry? V two? Maybe if Disney Plus did it, that would have happened. Oh yeah, because Dino- Dinosaur is Disney. Yeah, is a Disney product. I love Carnotaurus because it is part of this group called Abeliosaurs. That as 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 you all saw in the documentary, they have these short, ridiculous little arms. Yeah. And these incredibly blunted faces. Mm-hmm. And every other theropod looks exactly the same to me. And maybe that's racist. I don't know. But <laughs> they just, they look the same. And so what I love so much about abeliosaurs is they are so unique in every way that they, you just can't help but fall in love with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's really, really funny how we make so much fun of T-Rex and how tiny and short their little arms are. But in <laughs> yeah. reality, those arms were actually incredibly useful and capable of lifting a lot of weight, like 300 pounds. Oh my God. Wow. I, I know. know that. Huh. So yeah. And but but on the flip side, Abeliosaurus' arms were virtually useless except for some movement that we saw in the documentary. Right, and that is based on fact, right? That that's not yeah. speculative. That is a factual thing that we know they can move their arms a little bit like that. 
Um, so I love these guys because they're so goofy and it genuinely <laughs> made me so happy yes. to see them as these goofy, lovable yeah. kind of creatures. Yeah. Yeah, versus no, yeah. spiky, scary boys, you know, Agreed. which they usually are. Well, yeah, because it's also it's one of the uh, it, it's it's one of the theropods that we also have pretty good evidence was not feathered. Yes, absolutely. Mm. We we have evidence it was not feathered, and we actually have skin impressions. Oh. If yeah. I'm not mistaken from Carnotaurus, so we know they kind of had this pebbly yeah. hide. Yeah. Like animals. What's so mm-hmm. interesting for as much as Carnotaurus shows up in media, because not only was it in Dinosaur, but it also showed up in Jurassic World oh, as well. Right. It is technic- yeah. it, hmm, it was technically in the book Jurassic uh not not Jurassic World. Um the, Jurassic the, Park? The, the sequel that Crichton wrote. Um oh, okay. The Lost World. Okay. It, it it does technically show up in the Lost World. Uh, so in the book. so what's really fascinating is they only have like one skeleton of this dinosaur. Oh, we, oh wow. We have bits and pieces of other abeliosaurs. Like we have mm-hmm. a very closely related cousin, Majungasaurus. We have a yeah. lot of material from that, but that's on Madagascar. And yeah. we have some huh. stuff from India, but there's only like one Carnotaurus. And for some reason, it's the same thing that everybody keeps choosing. And I, mm-hmm. I am very curious to know why that has become the poster child for all abeliosaurs. God, I mean, huh. huh. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's the, if it is that it being, um, would, would it have been the first abeliosaur discovered? I mean, it might have. I, I really don't know. Huh. Yeah, I, I, I don't know either. It is interesting to think about it being mm-hmm. so prolific and yet there is only one. But I mean, there's there's other dinosaurs uh, like that that there isn't much physical evidence for, but they've really caught on for one reason or another. I mean, for a very long time, there was really not any Spinosaurus material other than the holotype that was destroyed. Oh, my God. Not, 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 we, we don't have to, I, I'm, I'm so sorry I brought up Spinosaurus. We do not have to talk about Spinosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just have an entire episode where I just get to rant about Spinosaurus and Spinosaurus fanboys for like oh 45 God. minutes? Oh, it's terrible. But yes, uh, I just, should they, should I, they call themselves mm. Sail Boys? Sail Boys? Sam, I just I want you to name now all the different paleo fan groups because yes. I, Love it. Can I can I please put forth that Ceratopsian fanboys are called horny boys? <laughs> yeah, only if you oh, only if you call Hadrosaur fanboys duckwads. Duckwads. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, I love that. Joe is oh, so lost is right now. Yeah, I love oh, it. Poor Joe. <laughs> I context clues are leading me. It's yeah, fine, yeah. everybody. So that 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 would be the group of dinosaurs that uh Ducky from the yeah. Land Before Time was a part of. Yes. Gotcha, gotcha. Dinosaurs. Love it. Yep. Yes. Which, yeah, which no. are which are a wonderful group, but they're often portrayed as either <laughs> loving mothers or meals for theropods. Those yeah. are the only like two portrayals I've ever seen of them. Right. So yeah. It's, unfortunately, it, it, even Prehistoric yeah. Planet falls into that trope. Yeah. As well. It's yeah. it's kind of like how I think there's another uh paleo meme about um like coelacanths and lungfish are only to be shown being eaten by spinosauruses <laughs> yeah. oh my god Jeez. oh my gosh yes absolutely just, very niche humor 
it's so funny how some of these groups of animals, which in some ways is kind of disrespectful because these animals had like lives and mm -hmm. probably, you know, thoughts and emotions on some level. Yeah. And then they just get relegated in media to this yeah. one role. It's well, very, I mean, you know yeah. what? Ju justice for hadrosaurs. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Justice for yes, hadrosaurs. Exactly. <laughs> um, I, I think Joe's talked a bit about this. It, or I think we, we all have, but the, the idea of dinosaurs being like this, uh, at least for a part of a lot of people's lives as young kids, where it feels like they're almost being released you know, like new dinosaur mm -hmm. just dropped. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it is. Oh my it, gosh. It, it is kind yes. of like a, a Pokemon level lore where yeah, so, th there's like so this, this expanding world, like in the way that Pokemon was like, because like, I mean, yes, I, I, the original 150 and now there's like a thousand of them or whatever. Yeah. But, but even you mentioning before, like when, when I was super involved with it and everything, there felt like this, mm -hmm. this canon of yes. the dinosaurs and yes uh and you know when i was an undergrad you know there there were all of there was like this whole new second wave of uh all the all the really great uh feathered dinosaurs coming out of china um right and mm. and you know now that i'm kind of on the periphery of it I'm I I guess now that I think about it I'm not in touch enough to know what the new favorites are the, the new are. ones the, the, yeah, the, new, the new ones that that people really cling to like you know right. when 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 you're thinking like oh the hot the hot new dino the hot new dinosaurs from when we were younger <laughs> have all like now been disproven to even exist like it's like <laughs> it's like like uh, like i remember having a book that was like new the new new complete encyclopedia of dinosaurs or something and it's like you know it's got like dracorex in it and oh my gosh and, 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 yeah. yes and and uh yeah stiggy maluck you know uh yep it's um <laughs> they're all one species yes all oh, pachycephalos no. all pachycephalosaurs <laughs> You know, and, you know, for some people, probably Nano Tyrannus. Uh, oh, God, you, you know. had to bring up Nano Tyrannus. I'm sorry. I, somewhere on this continent, Pete Larson just like sat up straighter. Is, are, his ears, <laughs> are his ears burning? His ears or, must be burning. Or <laughs> Nano Tyrannus? <laughs> I can sell this. <laughs> they, they, yes, if I build this as Nano Tyrannus, it will become worth more money. Oh, yes. Man. But yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I mean, and I know I probably mentioned this, I think the last time I was on, we are in a dinosaur golden age as far as mm -hmm. the research being done and the new species that are happening. And what makes me really actually super excited is seeing the new species being discovered and named on continents like South Africa, and, or excuse me, continents like South America and Africa that are being named by paleontologists from those countries, mm -hmm. you know, Brazil mm -hmm. and Chile and South Africa and Egypt and mm -hmm. stuff like that, where we are now being shown just how diverse 
the whole globe is with its fossil record and also being introduced to new and diverse voices of the yeah. people studying them, which is really, really amazing. And I hope it continues to where mm-hmm. the, these, these people get to have more and more media attention. You know, again, prehistoric planet is a wonderful step in the right direction by showing off animals that existed on different places But at the same time, it doesn't quite go far enough because, again, when you look at the consulting list, they're still all men, and Mm -hmm. except for one, I think, and they're still majority white and European. Mm -hmm. So what I hope happens with this, and again, the popularity of this, it, Mm -hmm. it opens up the door for a documentary on Egyptian dinosaurs or Mm -hmm. Mongolian dinosaurs or Chilean dinosaurs, you know? And we, we paleontology as a whole starts to shift away from the North America or the Europe centric view that it's been for, for the last a hundred something years. Yeah. And I mean, like, yeah, it's because we've, we've met paleontologists from Japan while, while in Montana and it's, it's, you know, it's not even really a place that you even think of as having dinosaur fossils. Uh, it's, it's really incredible. I think I would really love to see the perspective of, I would really love to see the perspective of East Asian, particularly Chinese paleontologists, because I'm sure they have the extra layer of difficulty in trying to communicate to people in their own country that, uh, you know, to, to, you know, try and control the black market fossil trade, but also people, but also people that want to grind up fossils for traditional medicine and stuff. It's, you know, it's very, it's very difficult. Cultural differences. Yeah. It's very difficult to Mm. critique those things from the outside, uh, sometimes. And I would be really interested to see someone's perspective of, I, you know, they, they might even have family members that, you know, associate uh, dinosaur bones with with dragon bones or something. And right. that that, that right. would be a, a truly interesting perspective to hear on how you you look at people that are poor selling these immaculate fossils on the side of the road, just trying to make some money. And you you sympathize with them, but you're watching the heritage yeah. get sold off. And I think, I mean, I think this is a point that I, that I try to hit a lot in my day to day, but also, especially mm-hmm. even on this podcast, mentioning a couple of times, we need to see more diverse voices in paleontology. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I really think documentaries like this are a great step in that direction. Yeah. Mm. And, yeah. And, and, I, and I genuinely hope that this trend continues, <laughs> truly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm doubtful that it will, but I sure as heck hope it will. <laughs> we can, here's hoping, uh, to, the yeah. ne- to the next dinosaur documentary, and let's... Uh, prehistoric Planet Season 2, let's go! Yeah, please, yeah. <laughs> two prehistoric, two planet. <laughs> <laughs> let's... Let's just get Megalodon in one episode so oh that gosh. I can slap it in the face of the people on TikTok. Yes. Oh my gosh. God. I, you know, with a, not one more thought. I mean, God, I would love to see this level of CG like put towards Helicoprion. Like, oh, heck yeah. With the spiral teeth. Yeah. Incredible. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. It, Joe, it, Joe, do you, do you know about this shark? Yeah. The chainsaw shark. 
Yeah, the chainsaw. Yeah, shark, just, yeah. That's, that's, how that's I, a good way. That's a good way to describe it. I just think of no, chainsaw see, man. Basically, Joe, Joe's learning. Yeah, I, oh, I really am though. Honestly, I have yeah. learned a lot from. Yeah, because like I mean, in in kind of summation, I mean, I guess honestly, like what did you do you have any other thoughts like as someone who again you're you're coming into this as someone that mm-hmm. uh that uh is 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 a little more new to some of this stuff or at least like you know not not since you were younger like yeah like, do you do you have any closing uh questions for our for our expert while we have her <laughs> i mean i guess one of the things that we we were talking about a bit on but i'm still sort of like I I guess it confused me or it threw me a little bit like was that there was just this whole tundra biome that was just so happening at that time. Like, I don't think I ever would have envisioned dinosaurs in snow. Now Mm. that also probably because it's always depicted in a jungle or a desert in media, which is my own bias in that case of what I'm being shown. But is that actually like, was that depiction of it? Like, does that happen? To a certain extent. Yeah. So, so again, you know, kind of talking about Alaska, the notion that there was ever a tundra during this time is just incorrect. Okay. Um, the planet during the Mesozoic was a hothouse world, mm-hmm. and there was no permanent ice caps either on the North Pole or the South Pole. So okay. there, there isn't the environment and the coldness levels to create a permanent tundra. However. There still is, of course, being high latitude and high elevation, which ah. Prince Creek Formation, where Packy lived, does have evidence for. They they have they have a mountain they had a mountain range called the Brooks Mountain Range that were like today's modern Himalayas, so very very large, and there would have probably been snow there, kind of like a snow capped mountain. For a, I would say a couple weeks, if not a month or two, out of the year. Hmm. Now that environment did not last the entire year, and again, I did like how the episode didn't just place them in snow the entire time, but right. it, it had only a short part of the episode in snow, which again could have happened if these animals were climbing up to these higher elevations, they probably would have interacted with the snow. Gotcha. Um, Okay. Yes. What is more interesting to me anyway, about this environment that is not seen anywhere else in the world is not the fact that they had snow because again, there also would have been um, Southern latitudes that probably would have gotten regular snowfall as well. Hmm. But the fact that Alaska at this time was still above the Arctic Circle, so there would have been six months of darkness. Right. And they kind mm-hmm. of touch a little bit on this in the episode, but this is truly one of the biggest questions about people who work in Alaska or trying to figure out, is what were these animals doing for yeah. six months? It's a long time. To just- right. Exactly. There's not, there's and- not going to be the the producer level of the food chain making anything right and so the there's been a few uh notions kicked around of course um migration is a big one but that one is steadily kind of being chipped away there isn't a ton of evidence to fully support that idea Hmm. is Um, is there any particular reason for that because like i mean the if we found uh you know let's say it's all at montasaurus from 
Montana to Alaska, let's say it's all one species, would that not be some suggestion that they were transversing ancient Canada? Yeah. And again, I mean, that is one of the lines of evidence. And the reason why we, uh, we, I, not myself, but, but the researchers who work in Alaska say that they were not necessarily, okay, there's two researchers. Okay. <laughs> one researcher, <laughs> one researcher says, yes, they migrate. The other researcher who both of them hate each other's guts. It's a modern day bone wars sort of situation. It's very weird. It's, it's, anyway. it's so, it's so funny. Just niche <laughs> arguments where it's between it, oh the, 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 the handful of people that study. Yeah. This. Yes. So, so, ba- so basically what they have done is, is first and foremost, uh, the people working up in Alaska, a lot of these bones are housed at the Pro Museum in Dallas, and they have baby bones, like little mm. tiny baby mm. Edmontosaurus bones. But they also have adult bones as well. And so based on the growth of these animals, what we know how quickly they could grow, there's no way that these animals could have hatched and then immediately started migrating at the size oh. and strength that they were at to get far enough south to avoid the darkness. Additionally, when we cut these bones up and we look at what's called histologies or thin sections where we look at the basically the growth rings of a bone, there's no evidence to, to help support a, 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 a hardship like a long migration Hmm. because that sort of migration is very very hard on the body and so that's reflected in how much new bone are they laying down every season and there just isn't and again this is this can be very speculative because one person can look at these growth rings and be like there's no evidence and another person can look at the growth (laughs) rings and be like there is evidence and this is why these two paleontologists fight all the time partly (laughs) So, however, we also know, not just based on MS sources, but like I mentioned earlier, there's this dromaeosaur paper that one of my friends, uh, Dr. Alessandro Cirenzia, who actually is an Italian paleontologist, amazing guy, he recently described a tiny, tiny baby dromaeosaur jaw fragment from the Prince Creek. Hmm. And because you have baby dromaeosaurs again you're talking something so tiny it's smaller than your pinky fingernail there's no way these animals could have gotten big enough in order to survive a migration they you know it would take them like a like a bird it would take them a couple of months to be even able to fend for themselves so there's no way these animals were capable of following the herds that mm-hmm. were their food source which implies that because we are finding baby, small baby dinosaurs there, that at least some of these inhabitants, if not all of these inhabitants, were remaining in place. Mm-hmm. So that does bring up a really interesting idea, though. What if they were hibernating? Mm, what if wow. they dug yeah. burrows and went under the ground? Wow. And unfortunately, unfortunately, that sort of stuff doesn't fossilize right even if they were hibernating it wouldn't it it not it won't necessarily show up in the bones that Mm, they were hibernating mm. because it just everything stops while you hibernate so it doesn't really show any signs of stress or lower food intake it just stops right so it's these questions that I find super fascinating because unfortunately we will never know the answer. Now, of course, everyone's like, well, maybe that's why they were furry. And it's like, nope, 
They did not have skin integument. They did not have quills. And also keep in mind, even though it was dark, it wasn't necessarily super duper cold. So that's so weird because there is not we don't have anything like that today because everywhere that everywhere that gets like that in the winter is also cold. It's yes, so bizarre to think of a a redwood forest, you know, like a like a, a dry think, a think, dry think like rainforest a, that has yes think think like like the California redwoods yeah. on the northwestern part of the United States that's as close to a similarity wow. with with Mesozo- or Late Cretaceous Alaska yeah. like ha- ima- think- imagine how much more depressed Seattle would be <laughs> oh, <laughs> if it also got six months of darkness oh my gosh yeah <laughs> but I think I think because we have nothing like it today I think that's why it can be so challenging for people yeah yeah to to view it in the correct manner and I think that's why we see these stereotypes around Prince Creek continue mm. to pop up with it being yeah. the Arctic tundra or packies being woolly or animals migrating it's right, because right. we need to tie it to something that the average person can recognize yeah. and late late cretaceous prince creek formation is not an environment that you would recognize wow interesting though yeah so cool, wow. right? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, you know yeah. when they, you know when uh, Sir Sir Squared David Attenborough always says to follow the science. I feel like this is where you have to come to follow the science. Yes. This is what he was. Yeah, actually you're not pointing you're at. not getting this on the Joe Rogan. Uh, no, yeah. he's going to talk about dragons <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but but again, again he'll he'll so de- he'll definitely entertain there being megalodon. A hundred percent. Oh my. God. He'll no no oh no. Joe, Joe Rogan will also try to figure out like it's probably like really good for you to like eat nothing but megalodon. <laughs> oh my god I, oh i hate that so much yeah. i hate that so much but i think I, I think this is again one of the reasons why the arctic episode was so interesting to me because i could see more than any other episode the very deliberate choices that the consulting paleontologists made about mm-hmm. which side of the argument they were going to agree with right and yeah. when and when they were just not going to get into it at all <laughs> yeah you know they just were yeah. not even going to to pick a side for sure and if if i knew more about the other um environments like i know the prince creek formation i maybe could have seen similarly but i just find it so funny how something <laughs> that is so niche and yes. really small in a lot of ways the prince creek formation is not a big formation mm-hmm. and it's and it's only researched by a handful of people how contentious it really is and that's reflected <laughs> yeah. that's reflected on the silver screen like wow. that is just so funny to me wow huh. i mean yep i'm well i'm super glad we got to talk yeah. about this and i i oh i, loved I would it. i would not have even been uh, aware of some of that uh drama Oh so, yeah. I mean again, thank you so much. There's a reason you're you're uh hanging on the guest hall of fame, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that's yeah. so wonderful. No. Um does that hall of fame hanging come with a title? Can I be I don't uh, know. Sir Sir McLean or Madam sir, McLean? Dame McLean? Ma- Ma- Dame, Madam Dame McLean. Squared. Madam Square <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm we'll we'll have uh your 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 family's uh Oh yes, yes, my 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 family crest. Yes, yes. Yes. Um <laughs> speaking of which, uh Yeah. Hillary, you're getting married. Oh, yes. 
Yes, I am. Um, Congratulations. Congrats. <laughs> thank you. I I am very excited. Uh, will I, there I will a... there be bagpipes at the ceremony? <laughs> you know, I hadn't <laughs> thought of that, Zan. But now that you put that image in my mind, maybe I might have to. Are you going to uh, come my... down the aisle on a horse? Like there, you oh, have. Oh, I want you, to. You you could have so many potential themes because <laughs> you're in you're you're in the paleo world. You're in the cowboy yep. world. You have yep. you have so many potential traditions to draw on. Mm. I. I will just be honest with you. I can tell you for sure there will be something that my wedding will not have, and that mm. will be any reference to Jurassic Park. Fair okay. enough. Fair enough. I refuse. Okay. All right. No, no, no. No, no. You you know my thoughts and feelings on this franchise. <laughs> now, would there be a reference to Prehistoric Planet? Maybe. Okay. But uh, no, my uh, my incredible fiance is, is an amazing uh, French person, and... He is an incredible Paley artist as well. And that's actually how we met was through paleontology and, and paleo art. Oh. And he's actually the one who, honest to God, knows more about my profession than I do. So when we were both <laughs> watching Prehistoric Planet and I would go, I don't think that's right. He would go clickety clack on his keyboard and help me find the real answer. <laughs> and I just am very, very grateful for him for that. Aww, so nice. uh, thank, thank you, of course, Zan. And mm-hmm. Joe, for for your congrats, I'm very happy. Of course, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, we're we're both so happy for you guys. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> do you uh uh do you have anything you'd like to plug while we've still got you here? Oh gosh, I mean, maybe like I said last time, go and visit your local museums. They still need your help. Um buy tickets support all of that good stuff um if you see anybody talking about megalodon tell them that no they're not they're not alive and and they need to do more research mm, joe and, rogan can't eat them can't eat yes them, all, no. and and if you happen to see a fossil fish in any sort of museum display give it the finger from me <laughs> uh, I, I would appreciate it so That's, much but uh yeah. at the moment at the moment, my, my social media is all is all kind of taking a back seat because of some life stuff that's going on. And I don't really have anything wild and exciting necessarily to pass along. So, yeah, go go support your museums. Go support your paleontologists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Joe, what have you got going on? Well, uh, at the moment, I have a solo exhibition at the the St. Kate Arts Hotel uh, located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in their air exhibition space titled uh, Ephemeral mm-hmm. Existence When Light Takes Form. Uh, mm-hmm. So feel free. That's up till I think, the end of August. So feel free if you're in that area to go check out some of my works. And there's also an upcoming show that I'm a part of in Milwaukee as well. I'm doing the Midwest circuit, it seems, in September <laughs> uh, called Teleportal Presents Movement at Real Tinsel Gallery. So feel free to go check that out when it opens too. Uh, yes, but yes. at the moment, those are the two major things happening in my, in my world at the moment. So uh, Zan, what do you got going on? If you had known it was taking place in Milwaukee, would you have tried to mm. work in a reference to surviving edged weapons? <laughs> You know, I didn't even think about put it, and I, I could have. I don't want to put a knife down. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to visit and then like confirm if it's actually like that. 
Oh my god. Perfect media. Um, oh man. But yes, no, that all sounds fantastic, Joe. Thank um you, for thank me, you. I don't have anything specific to plug at the moment. I'm still recovering from my thesis show. Uh and Which was amazing, by the way. Oh, Holy crap. So it was thank so good. You. I, I appreciate so good. it. I appreciate it. Uh, Joe was there, of course, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, got to perform with me uh, at the opening, uh, which was extra special. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'm just, uh, ch- for now, just trying to regroup and uh, chill out with my master's degree and me in upstate New York, uh, getting my getting settled into my new job, and hopefully we'll have some uh, actual projects to announce soon. So that is it for me. Uh, if you would like to follow the museum after hours, we are at Uncanny Museum on Twitter and at Uncanny County Museum on Instagram. If you want to find me, I am at Xanasaurus on Instagram. And I'm at Josemino Art on Instagram. And I am at Sky Bison with a one in the place of an I in Bison on Instagram. Yep, yep. Uh, yep, indeed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. And from the Uncanny County Museum. <laughs> I have been Zan Peters. And I've been Joe Samina. And I've been Hillary McLean. Bye. Bye.